Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> well, that's good. I've already made myself laugh by speaking. Oh, this is the first thing I've said today, I reckon. Yes. Welcome to Sitting Under a Treat. It's Aiden Taco Jones. Uh, today is the... What? Yeah, the 30th of October, Tuesday. I'm sitting outside my house uh, for a number of reasons, many of which I will go into promptly. Um, <laughs> I just thought I'd mix it up a little, to be honest. There's a bunch of birds out here. The birds have been, the birds have been chirping uh, of recent. Um, it's sunny. The weather is nice. Clement, if you will. There they are, the birds right now. Here we go. Shut up! <laughs> That'll fucking show them. <laughs> they are quite loud, but it's kind of nice, you know? It's like invasive, but in like a, like a happy way. Um, I'm also sitting outside because um, Blake's inside asleep, and he's a bit sad because his girlfriend broke up with him, and I don't want to, um, you know, be in here. Also, I thought I might talk about his girlfriend breaking up with him. I probably There's not really that much to say. He got broken up with last night, and now he's sad and probably hung over because he drank a bunch of little fat lamb, and I don't want to be in my room going, Blake's sad. <laughs> <laughs> while, while he's just in there, probably laying awake, pro- almost definitely crying, or at least has cried. He would have cried last night, I reckon. <laughs> he absolutely would have cried last night. Oh, poor cunt. I feel really bad for him. Um, well, last night I uh, went on a, a lovely date in the park. With a lady, uh, we went and did, what did we do? We fucking got, uh, like, stuff for a picnic. Man, I got this pate. It's really nice. I didn't know this. Pate, I mean, still, I don't, I don't have, like, confirmation from the internet or a person with knowledge, but, th- like, when you buy pate, it's, like, the pate on the bottom, and then on the top, there's, like, that layer of jelly, and I thought that maybe that was, like, fat or something, but then I got this pate that's, like, it was, like, uh, duck and orange pate, and the layer of stuff on the top is just is the orange. That's the orange, like it's orange jelly or something. And I was like, oh, maybe that's got nothing to do with the pate, and that's just a thing that they put on top because it's nice. Is that the case? I don't know. Also, what's the difference between pate and foie gras? Because I love foie gras; it's great. And then I also love pate, and they taste. Pretty, I couldn't, I couldn't pick the difference up between the two, but foie gras is the one that they make by stuffing ducks stomach. They just, uh, they feed them, they force feed them with grain until their, uh, what is it, their livers explode or kidneys or stomachs or whatever explode and they die, and then they make it out of their liver. God, that's fucked up, but it just, it tastes slightly better than normal pate. So I, um, yeah, so I demand it. Whenever I, legit, if I was in a place and they had pate for like 10 bucks and foie gras for 12, I'd go the foie gras every time. Because I don't want, I don't get pate or foie gras very often and I don't want today, I don't want to skimp on my special treat for myself just for the sake of, what, a couple ducks? Unnamed ducks, probably. Who's given names to a duck? Imagine giving a duck. Does anyone ever give their pets middle names? Other than when it's like a joking thing, like... Leobold Francis the Third, and you're like, come here, Leobold Francis the Third. It's a duck. <laughs> like people say the long name as a joke, right? Um, 
No one ever gives their pets like middle names. I guess if you had to ask someone what the pet's last name is, it'd be like, like their last name, you know, like Lucky Theodopoulou. <laughs> the absurdity of a Greek person owning a dog. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Lucky whatever, whatever. Um, oh my God. I just had the thought. What if, oh oh my God, Blake's now ex-girlfriend listens to this podcast and she's probably listening right now (laughs) when I just said that Blake's all sad, which means she's probably all sad too. If you're listening, Bella, um, uh, (laughs) if if you're listening, we will probably never see each other again. Because I've got to stand by my mate and uh, I'm sorry, I wish you all the best. You're lovely and I've enjoyed our friendship, but I can't see you anymore. God, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. I have to talk about this now. So we've been friends for like five years and Blake and her met in January. Well, no, they'd been friends for years as well, but they hooked up in January and and started dating. And then... Um, Blake always said to me, you know, when uh, when we break up, you're not allowed to hang out with Bella because I don't want to be hearing about her. And I completely get that, man. I've got plenty of friends. She, you know, it's not like a special, particularly, you know, like whatever. It's just like a good friend and stuff, but it's not like she's my best friend or anything. So um, I was always like, yeah, when you guys, if you guys break up, if that's what you want, then I, I won't see her. And that's exactly what's happened. And... Um, I feel really weird now. I don't really know who I'm a When you do any sort of media, like when I do comedy or when I'm doing this podcast or when I'm writing something, you really think about the audience, who you're talking to. And uh, right now, I don't really know who I'm talking to. Am I talking to Blake's former girlfriend or am I talking to uh, someone who might be interested in this or am I just speaking out into the ether? Fuck, what a wild situation. <laughs> and to think that I'm making my friend getting broken up with about me. <clears throat> That's fucking crazy. I'd said I wouldn't do this, and you know what? I have. Um, let's talk about something a bit happier. On um, Saturday night, uh, I don't know how to introduce this story because it's not happier. I was going to try and make it a joke, but then it was going to be a long setup. The um, owner of... Leicester Football Club, Leicester City Football Club, um, they played, this was just crazy, they were playing against West Ham at the Leicester Stadium, the King Power Stadium, and this guy, is like a Thai businessman, bought them um, 10 years ago for £39 million, and has overseen the most successful period in, in the club's history, um, was fucking got in his helicopter and flew away from the stadium back to London like he does after every game and his helicopter crashed outside the stadium and he fucking died. Isn't that insane? Just in like after a football match, they wheel the helicopter out onto the onto the pitch. He takes off and and then there's a problem with the rotor and it spins around and it crashes into a car park doesn't kill anyone else but five the five passengers on the helicopter all dead and if you don't know like about Leicester City that Leicester City it's annoying for me because fucking I'm the Spurs fan but um, Leicester City won 
the Premier League in 2016. That was their first time winning, and it was also just the most insane, like, uh, improbable win. It's like it's not just like winning like one game. It's not just like a mighty duck situation where a team has a good run in the finals or whatever for like four games. The Premier League season is 38 games long. You play every team twice, home and away. It lasts from August to fucking May. It's not just like a flash in the pan. If you win the Premier League, that's like you were the best team for 10 months. Uh, is, well, what is that? 10 months? Wait, eight, nine months. It's not... It doesn't happen by accident, is what I'm trying to say. There's no, like, oh, they weren't the best team, but they kind of won because they got the, the rub of the green. No, that doesn't happen. Leicester City, there were 5,000 to 1 odds outsiders at the start of the season. They were almost relegated the season before. If you finish in the bottom three in the Premier League, you go down to the to championship. They were almost relegated. They were they barely escaped. I think they finished f- fucking uh, 16th, like fourth to bottom the year before. And then they won the following year. And a lot of that was to do... Oh, it's hard to say what it was to do with. They bought N'Golo Kante, who was an amazing player. And they uh, they had uh, Claudio Ranieri, who was a, a great coach at the time. And But a lot of it was to do with the investment and the kind of foundation built by the club by... Uh, and let me try and read his name. Vichai Srivadanaprava. <laughs> The Vichai Srivadana Prabha. However you say it, that dude was like a very central figure in what is widely regarded as one of the greatest, um, like, you know, foot stories in football ever. Um, the fact that there's so much money in the Premier League and for a team like Leicester to come and beat, beat not only Spurs who finished, let's say, third that year, um, but also Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, Man City, Liverpool, the big six, all spending millions of dollars dwarfing their wage bill. For Leicester to beat them, it's insanity. And even though they beat Spurs, that would have been our fucking year if it wasn't for them. It's still, you got to appreciate, man, that it's like an amazing story. And to then, two years later, have this guy who was the, uh, like... Even <laughs> he then fired the coach who led them to that glory after only like three months in the following season because that's how fucking cutthroat the Premier League is. But to have this guy who was like the figurehead of their this, of their club and and um, put all this money into Leicester as a city as well, like hugely charitable in the city, millions of pounds uh, into like hospitals and just oh man. And then he just fu- he gets in a helicopter and it goes up above the stadium, goes into a tailspin and crashes in a fiery ball inferno into the fucking car park outside the stadium in front of all of the fans who have just watched the team play. I mean, what a fucking surreal and awful thing to witness and to even just to happen and to hear about. It's insane. So anyway, that's little bit lighter note than uh, my friend's girlfriend of a number of months breaking up with him last night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what the fuck am I talking about? My mum came to visit on the weekend. Let's talk, maybe we'll lift the mood here. 
She was great. Um, we what did we do Saturday? Woke up at eight thirty. Went and got breakfast. Went and got went on the fe- the ferry. By the way, um, that you get from South Bank in the middle of the city, and then you go out to Williamstown. So you go along the Yarra. Garbage. What a fucking awful view. It would have been, I think, we were going to get the ferry from Williamstown, then back across to St Kilda and then up to uh, to my first gig of the afternoon in Collingwood, but we just didn't really have time. I'm sure that would have been a nicer view along the bay, like to go across the bay. Oh, then, um, man, the Yarra, I mean, because you, you, you leave South Bank and then almost as soon as you're out of the South Bank area, you're just going through Port Melbourne. So there's like disgusting gross box apartments like new build box apartments you know those fucking ones that just cookie cutter square bullshit but they're next to the river and it's it's not like the london riverfront where it's all nice houses because it's been built up over hundreds of years and so the rich people get that no 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 it's oh actually yeah sorry it's like yeah it's like the tower hamlets and and like a uh, Canary Wharf kind of area of um, of the Thames waterfront. It's like getting a ferry along there rather than the famous part of the Thames, which is like the Central Bid and London Bridge and Westminster and stuff. Or how else can I relate it to any, any of the literal millions of listeners I have who have never been to to London? No, it just it's an ugly part of the river, man. It's gross. It's like all shipping containers... I ended up, I was like, oh, I'll just like see some stuff and I'll Google it while we float along. I'll read about the stuff. All there was to Google was uh, the Dutch shipping company Maersk, M-A-E-R-S-K, which incidentally was uh, was was um, founded in 1905 by two, did I say Dutch? I meant to say Danish. Danish by, uh, by two Danish men called uh, something something and something Maersk. And... Uh, and they currently hold 15% of the... They're the largest shipping company in the world. They currently own, uh, hold 15% of the world's shipping tonnage capacity. Um, what else can I tell you? I mean, that's about it, really. Those are facts that I memorized, though. Let's look them up. Let's see if I fucking remember that shit right. Basically, it's garbage. Oh, let me get off the... <laughs> <laughs> the page that I had pulled up on my phone was Time Massage. No, <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> um, Danish, yep. Mollemersk. Danish pronunciation, who cares? Also known simply as Mersk, Danish business conglomerate, blah, 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 blah. 130 countries, around 88,000 employees. 1904 founded. Sorry about that. Founders, Arnold. Peter Muller and Peter Mersk Muller. There we go. Uh, currently, business areas. Where did I get that 15% of the tonnage of the world? I don't know. But since 1996, they've been the largest container shipping company in the world. All right. Oh, there we go. It's held 15.1% of the global TEU, which I don't know what that stands for, but I'm assuming it stands for tonnage existing unrequited <sighs> the ferry sucks it sucks dick alright and then when we went to um, we got to Williamstown walked around a bit went to uh, Hellenic Republic which is a nice restaurant um, 
kind of cool coincidence. I'm the place where I'm um, probably going to do my. By the way, Melbourne Comedy Festival uh, venue offers are out. I've got an offer for the full run, twenty seven shows at Pilgrim Bar, um, with an independent venue with uh, Crowded Comedy, who I went with last year. Tom and Ange, big shout outs, great fucking people. Um, that I would absolutely love to take, but I'm just going to hold off and see if I get a, an offer for the festival managed venues um, to see if I get anything good from those guys. Regard, that's neither here nor there, but the um, because I got the offer for Pilgrim, I messaged the manager who was working there last year and was like, oh, um, might be being at your venue again for festival. Would love to hang out with you again. Uh, really excited for the run. And she goes, oh, I don't work there anymore, actually. I work in Williamstown. And I was like, oh, I'm going to Williamstown. I'm going to Williamstown with my mum. Fucking, that was Thursday. We're going on Saturday. She goes, I work at Hellenic Republic. I'm the manager. Come down. So we went down and uh, the food was fantastic. We had a bunch of small plates. Um, Thanks to Anna for looking after us. And then I told people about it later in the day because it's George Coulombaris' restaurant who's like a celebrity chef on on fucking MasterChef Australia. He's like a judge or whatever. And I, I told people, oh, we went to George Columbus's rest. And they're like, oh, doesn't he really severely underpay his workers? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I did. I do remember seeing that story in the paper, actually. What a bummer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sorry to anyone who has uh, had their livelihood taken away from them by the cutthroat business of George Columbus. He's just doing what he has to do to make a crust. If you don't like it, bloody kick up a stink. Go to the media. Well, they did do, and it didn't work. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad, to be honest, because um, I did hear about that, about his restaurant, Hellenic Republic, in the city. Um, but also, I didn't know, and I probably would have gone anyway because it's nice to see a friend. All right? And I didn't know anyone who was systematically underpaid for their work under him. So it's far enough away from me mentally that I can abstract from it. And and uh, to be honest, I've worked fucking hospitality for years and I was definitely exploited. I used to work at this place called Cafe True Track in, uh, in fucking n- North Melbourne. And uh, it was a cafe built onto a, a, what do you call it, like a fucking garage where they would like fix but they would like kind of soup up cars they were like they weren't just fixing anyone's cars they were doing like nice cars um and it was the cafe attached to that so all the dudes who worked there would come in and get their coffees and blah 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 um 17 an hour i was being paid as a 25 or 26 year old man 20 uh, 17 an hour to make coffee and, and basically run a cafe um Fuck me, that guy was a fucking cunt. He was lovely, but like, he didn't even have... Here's the thing, I'll work for $17 an hour, but it better be easy fucking work. This dude didn't even have the good graces to like, let you slack off for $17 an hour. He wanted like, proper good service. And for you to always be walking around and and always working and vigilant and for $17 an hour, go fuck yourself. Not a fucking chance, cunt. But how about you pay me the legal fucking award wage if you want me to do proper work or if you want to pay me 17 bucks an hour, you better know that I'm sitting down reading a fucking book whenever there's not, a, it's whenever there's a moment to spare. 
the fucking goal of some hospitality employers in this city that just because they're in Melbourne, they're like, well, Mel, we take hospitality pretty seriously. You got to understand the competitiveness of the of the marketplace out there. The fucking goal of you to expect me to fucking actually work hard when you're not even paying me award wage or on the books. You better work hard, but do you mind if I I'll pay you in cash? So that, well, we don't want to get the government involved, do we? Fuck. <laughs> that cunt was the worst one of them all, to be honest. When I quit that place, I got a job uh, full time at another place, which turned out to be. <laughs> The place where the owner had lost 600 grand in two years. So that place was a fucking dead end as well. But it was full time and I was getting paid decent money. Um, so I walked into Cafe True Track with the idea of like, all right, I got to quit. And I look, the boss was a, a decent enough guy to talk to. He was just a piece of shit, you know, in every other imaginable way. Um, and so I was a little bit like, oh, it's a bit of a bummer. I've got to quit. It's probably going to be hard. I walk up to the cafe. I, I hear it before I see it. He's standing out the front and one of his mates is out the front on the street on a motorbike with no helmet on, just doing a fucking burnout. <laughs> <laughs> on the street, I walk up and he's like, Hey, Taco! Oh, hey! Fucking bully! Bully! Look at him, bully! Doing a fucking burnout! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's up, Sam? Uh, and he, I'm like, um, I think he even called it. I think I was just like, oh yeah, I want to have a chat. And, and he was just like, are you, uh, are you, you, uh, you stepping down? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, understand, mate. Uh, all the best. <laughs> I just walked off. <laughs> Meanwhile, this dude is just racing down the street on a fucking motorbike with no helmet, smoke, just fucking covering the street. Sam's like, ah, fucking look at him. <laughs> oh, that was the easiest job I've ever quit, to be honest. Um, and way better than getting fired. Fuck yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, um, oh, yeah. So, we go to Williamstown, rah, rah, rah. Uh, me and Mumsy go down to Williamstown, come back, uh, do a couple gigs, did the Improv Conspiracy remix, which was fantastic. Um, I felt like uh, <laughs> I, I went into that show. So, the, the improv, improv Conspiracy is an improv troupe in Melbourne, which already I'm... I just, I went to one of their things years ago when I firstly started stand-up, like six years ago, and uh, I went to what they call a Harold, which is like an improv, Just it's just like your regular improv show, um, you know, suggestions from the audience, do scenes, whatever, and um, yeah, I didn't much fancy it, and then I got the vibe from other comedians that improv isn't very well respected, so I ran with that, and I was like, yep, fuck improv, improv sucks, you're all dumb. Um... But this improv show, the remix, is uh, a comedian goes on stage, tells a story, and then the improv players do act out improvised scenes from the story. And um, I was the stand-up on that show. Me and mum went along to that. I'd never seen the show. I'd not had any contact with the improv conspiracy people for six years. Um, the show was fantastic. Uh, such a cool format. I did four stories in the end. It was an hour show. And, 
I just, it took me a second to kind of calibrate my thinking from being like, I'm the stand-up. Like, I, I'm, and I do genuinely believe this. If you put stand-up and improv on a neutral stage, stand-up will win because it's a more versatile performance form and uh, and just you can address things in a, in a much more direct way. So if it's like a contest, which to be fair, it's not. <laughs> But if you put them on a on an equal footing, I reckon. Uh, also, in 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 stand up, it's easier to say things because you're allowed to prepare, so you can actually say stuff that people care about, as opposed to an improv, which is just very funny, which is still amazing. But like, I feel like it's inherently limited as a form of expression because you have to improvise stuff. So it's fun and it's like super funny, and it is really special when they're doing it well. But I mean, in stand-up, you can be funny and you can improvise and you can also just say stuff, you know? You can say things that people care about. That's the difference. But, and so, yeah, so I ha- I, I believe that, right? I, the things that I just said, I believe that. I believe stand-up to be a more robust form than improv. So, carrying that belief into the show, I assumed that I was going to be the star of the show because I'm like, well, I'm the stand-up. So, clearly, I'm going to be funnier than the improv people, um, <laughs> and <laughs> and that was not the case, um, and I did my first story, and it was a quite a cocky, arrogant story that uh, it was about um, tacos. Fuck list is about how I took acid, wrote a list of all the girls I'd ever had sex with, and then that list eventually fell into the hands of the police uh, years later because they raided my friend's house. He was a drug dealer, and they thought that my list of people I had sex with was a list of drug dealers. And it's just it's quite arrogant to start talking about a list of all the people you've had sex with. And that was my first story. And then they just went to town, man, for like 10 minutes. They fucking tore me apart. Uh, and I went back on stage after that. They were like, all right, we're ready for another story. And I've just, it felt like I'd been hit by a fucking train, man. I was like, oh, whoa, all right, okay. I think I understand a little bit more about what this show is now. And it's kind of at my expense. Um, and so I, rather than trying to be top dog, I was like, okay, well, if that's how it's going to be, then I'll just open up and, and give them a lot of stuff to work with. And so that's what I did for the rest of the show. That was a very humbling experience, though, if I'm honest. Because, um, yeah, my my stand-up comic arrogance led me to go into that thinking that I was going to be top dog, and I wasn't. And I think that's a good experience, to be honest. <sighs> oh, I also did the stuff about my mum going to South America and having me and fucking up, and I say she's lucky I'm not AIDS, and she was in the audience. So I was like, there she is. That was very funny. That's always fun. The highlight of the day with my mum on Saturday, though, was when we got to, um, we went to the Rochi. It was uh, Zach Dyer's birthday, the legendary Zach Dyer, Raw Comedy winner, 2016, uh, Comedy Zone participant, 2018, or whatever, Raw Comedy winner, 2017, I think, yeah. Comedy Zone participant, 2018. <laughs> And and all-round homosexual gay boy. <laughs> he's got a running joke at the moment where he calls me gay in our group chat. Um, it was his birthday at the Rochi. And uh, I called ahead and I would said, oh, my mum's going to come. And I could hear everyone on the phone going like, oh, we're going to fuck your mum. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all going to fucking have sex with your mum. 
So I get there, and um, Matthew Vasquez, who's a very quiet boy normally, uh, has just, to be honest, just found a bit of confidence in the, in the midst of calling me gay that's given him something to kind of grab onto. So he's gotten more confident. He'll come up to me and be like, you're fucking gay. <laughs> and um, he comes up. We're in the front bar. I walk in with my mum. And uh, I'm like, oh, Matthew, my mum's here. And he goes, oh, is she? And leans in and whispers in my ear, we're all going to have sex with her later. <laughs> and uh, I step back and I go, uh, Matthew, this is my mum. And mum, this is my friend Matthew Vasquez. He just said that he's going to have sex with you later. Uh, he just whispered that in my ear. <laughs> and evidently he didn't think that I was going to step up to the fucking plate and just lay it out there for my mum. Like, he's trying to big dog me in front of my mum, basically. Like, trying to say some weird shit to, like, I'm going to get embarrassed. You think I want to get fucking embarrassed in front of my mum, cunt? <laughs> Suck my dick. Not a chance. I fucking put it right out there. Hey, mum, Vasquez said he's going to have sex with you later. What do you think of that? And she just went, oh, oh, Aiden. And he went red as fuck because he'd never met her before. And he was trying to be respectful like a little bitch. Never, never try and big dog me in front of my own mother, Matthew Vasquez. Cunt who came to my house warming and stole all my fucking toilet paper. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> He's a funny boy. I'm, um, we're a fair way in right now. I should do the music, huh? Let me do, um, the song that I want to recommend this week is, uh, Passion Fruit by Yeji. Y-A-E-G-I, uh, Y-A-E-J-I, the same chick that did that rain, make it, rain girl, make it, do, 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 that, that song, rain girl, don't know if you know it, but it's fucking great, passion fruit, um, kind of like a housey tune, a bit, I don't know, um, it's like very laid back, but it's got the sample, is uh, like very stop start so it feels like it's a little bit kind of jarring but because of the synth going underneath it it keeps like pushing you forward really nice uh, it's also oh I didn't realize this is a cover of a uh, Drake song also called Passion Fruit which I listened to and then I was like oh yeah I do know this song um, but the Yeji one is fucking way better um, I looked up a little bit about Yeji she's a Korean American producer uh, she's born in 93, so she's fucking younger than me, which I'm not a fan of. She's 25, but, um, I fuck, I'm, I think I might try and, like, add all these people on Instagram whenever I recommend a song, just so I can start having some good musicians come up on my Instagram. So I went on her Instagram, and it was fucking great, and there were some videos of her playing Rain Girl, which evidently is, like, like a big track. Um, there were some videos of her playing Rain Girl at, there was one at Coachella, Fuck, that looked sick, man. Oh! oh my god. And that brings me to... I even haven't even fucking talked about this. How long have we done here? I'm already over 30 minutes. I'm going long. I'm going long. Oh, by the way, big shout-outs to my friend David Alfie Ward, the fattest comedian in Britain. Thanks for listening, mate. Um... Bit of a bummer about the Spurs result just now. Dave's the person who got me into supporting Spurs. And uh, the reason I'm probably putting this podcast out a little bit earlier than normal is because I woke up at 7am this morning to watch Spurs lose a fucking shitty 1-0, squander a bunch of chances to Man City. That was a bummer. But uh, big shout-outs to David Fatty Ward um, listening in right now. 
Thanks, mate. So, um... Oh, yeah, I'm going to a music festival this weekend. I'm doing comedy. This has been, like, a, a month or so in the making. I'm doing comedy at a music festival called Dragon Dreaming, which already, red flags, in it. Like, Dragon Dream. that doesn't sound like there's going to be good acts playing, <laughs> does it? Sounds like there's going to be a bunch of acts called, like, Flower Death Furnace or, or Yarround. A lot of acts with foreign-sounding names, but they're just white dudes with dreadlocks. Do you know what I mean? Tie-dye, a lot of fat pants, hippies, basically, which the new hippies are like psytrance fuckheads. Um, I really have a lot of disdain for those people, and yet, here I go to perform at them this weekend. At them? Yeah, probably the correct pronoun. Uh, pronoun. Ugh. The correct preposition. At. I'm going to be performing at them. Um... So it's like an hour north of Canberra, or a bit, maybe even more. It's a bit, bit north of Canberra, but it's uh, it's like a big hippie music festival. It's the tenth year anniversary this year. Uh, Marty Bright, who's an old mate of mine and and a comic from uh, from Sydney, has teed it up, and uh, I'm really going for the adventure. To be, I'm not getting paid. I got a free ticket, and I've got like you know, well, a free ticket is what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> trying to big up yourself, Taco. I've got a free ticket, and that's the extent of the of the deal. <laughs> free ticket to a music festival that I've never heard of, <laughs> and it's out in Canberra, and I can't get a lift with Marty, even if I fly to Sydney. So the way that I'm going to get there is I will. By the, I went on the the Facebook event for the festival, and. Um, I just like saw if I knew anyone on there. I know two people on the the event, so I messaged them both. And one of them's driving up in a van with a bunch of, I assume, other dirty hippies. This person who I've met once at a comedy gig, um, and she said, "Yeah, you might be able to get in with us." So I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> get in the van with the hippies. If not, it will be uh, a train ride by the looks of it up to the nearest town, and then hitching a, a ride in a car. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know what this is going to be. There's only one show, Saturday night, that's when we're doing the show. And if I go up with these people in the bus or the whatever, they've, she said bus, and that's, that sounds exciting to me. That sounds like some Tom Wolf electric Kool-Aid acid test type shit. Drive across the country in a bus to go to a meeting of the minds. Take all your clothes off and writhe around in the mud. Take acid. Kiss a stranger. That's what I want to do, to be honest. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to make love to someone who I've never met and don't know their name. That would be my ideal musical festival experience. Um, but that aside, pro- the, so the show's on Saturday night. We got to go up on Thursday. They want to leave on Thursday afternoon, and it's like a nine-hour drive to fucking. Uh, oh, wait up! What's going on here? We might have a chain delivery. How you doing, bro? Are you delivering? No, I've just come to look at a tree in the backyard. I think I might be able to see it. I might be able to see it. Could be that one. Oh, really? All right. The, the real estate, the real estate one. Okay, sure. For unit two? I guess Lakewood. Yeah, yeah, I'm Aiden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sent me to look at a, a 
Sorry about that. It wasn't a chain delivery. It was a, a dude coming to take a stump out of our backyard. Blake's been waiting for the poor boy. He's been waiting for a chain to be delivered that he bought for 21 bucks. He's been waiting for it for like literally a fucking month. And uh, it would be nice if it came today um, to perk his spirits up a little bit, but it's still not come. So... Yeah, that was a dude asking if he could have a look at the back of our house to take out a, a fucking tree. Um, whatever. I was talking about the music festival. Yeah, look, I don't know. I To be honest, it feels a little bit like... In the lead up to this, like I've been working hard for the last month and I've been sober, um, which you know if you've been listening, and I've, I've been like writing for like two, three hours every day. And uh, this is something that I, it's like a pattern that I often fall into in my life where I'll be working hard and then I'll go, oh, I need a break. And me taking a break is like a self-destructive, like me letting off steam often manifests in, in a very self-destructive period. And that, or, or maybe it's not that self-destructive, but I just feel guilty about it. I don't know. I've, I, I know the feeling of like, oh, I'm going to go to a thing and have fun. And then three days into a five day fun period that I've given myself, I start to go, why did I do this? This is a waste of time. Uh, I've ruined all the hard work that I put in in the previous month. Like I don't have, uh, I'm not super comfortable with giving myself times of rest like that. It makes me anxious. And I feel like if I stay at this music festival too long, if I can't get back until Tuesday, I'm going to be furious. Because I know on Monday night, I'm going to be sitting there going, fuck, why did I come to this so far away and I just want to be back in Melbourne doing gigs and blah, blah, blah. Um, I really hope I can get back on Sunday, to be honest. I hope I can get the train back from the town that's nearby, get a lift back into the town and get a train back on the Sunday because I'll go crazy if I'm five days with with hippies. I'm sure there's going to be some lovely people there and it'll be great and I'll meet some very kind, very kind souls. There'll be a lot of kindness there, for sure. Maybe not a lot of actual (laughs) insight. But then again, maybe this is the same kind of hubris that I took into the improv thing. Maybe these people are great. Maybe I'm going to be humbled again. Maybe I'm in for another serious humbling at this festival. Probably. I need them often. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this one more thing, actually. The other day I was looking up. This is real silly. Um, I was looking up, uh, I just Googled like Melbourne comedy cause I was trying to find out like a, just a website that has some comedy news or a blog or something. So I can just like ways to promote my new show on Saturdays, by the way, at the Baden Powell, we're changing it to 6 PM. If anyone wants to come and sign up, do comedy 6 PM instead of 4 30, uh, every Saturday at the Baden Powell hotel in Collingwood. I was looking for ways to promote that and new comedy blogs and stuff. And a search of Melbourne comedy came up with uh, a Google-sponsored result for uh, some website that's like a, evidently is like an agency for, um, you know, like bookings. And basically people who want to book a comedian for their event would go on this website. And then a lot of the time, if you're not in comedy, if you don't know, a lot of the time these websites do what they do i don't know exactly what their business model is but i'm guessing it's that they take bookings from like say telstra has a function and they want to fucking 
uh, book a comedian for their function, they'll see this site, go on the site, contact the site, and then um, the site will contact the manager of whoever the comedian is that Telstra want to book and take a little bit of a finder's fee and then the, the manager will take a fee f- from the comedian the comedian will go perform. But those corporate gigs are often so high paid that it doesn't really matter. So then what this kind of site does is they just, they put like our comedians, they have like a tab that says our comedians and they just put every comedian who they've ever gotten work for or made work through. Um, and so it's just a list of, it's like any, the list on their website was basically any uh, notable Australian comedian from from the last 20 years. Um, and I can almost guarantee that, like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that wasn't um, the website for Token or A-List or the Junkyard or Century, which are the four main management companies or Andrew Taylor, none of them. There was no, there were no like big agents uh, using that website, right? It wasn't a, like a the, the token.com.au website. It was just a fucking random website, like a third party. Um, but they had all of these comedians who were definitely represented by different people on the website. Some of the comedians who don't even really gig on the circuit anymore. Mark Trenworth was on there. Haven't seen him in fucking years. Um, and so I'm looking through and it's pretty out of date. A lot of the descriptions, I'm looking up the names of their shows and it's from like 2012, 13. Um, and I see one for Michael Workman. So there's a little thing. It's like, book the comedian. Whenever you hover over their picture, it's like, book this comedian. And Michael Workman, if you don't know, uh, keep up about the, the Australian comedy industry, Michael Workman uh, was a very good Australian comedian uh, and still is, has transitioned and is now called Cassie Workman um, and is a girl now and, and likes to be known as a girl. <laughs> Michael Workman no longer exists. So, <laughs> so I, <coughs> I saw that and I was just like, oh, the person running this site has no fucking idea what they're doing, but they're clearly still paying for its upkeep because it came up as a sponsored result on Google. So they're still paying for ads. Um, and I looked and, and uh, the description was like, Michael Workman, one of Australia's most exciting comedians, blah, blah, blah. His new show, blah, blah. And I looked up that show and it's from 2013. So I went on the side and I put, um, hey, I'd love to, I would absolutely love to book Michael Workman for a, a function for my hospitality company. Uh, we'd be willing to pay upwards of $2,000 for an hour's performance. And... Uh, I just I loved Michael's show a few years ago. I saw it in the Melbourne Comedy Festival and re- was reminded of him recently and would absolutely love to book him for my event. Um, <laughs> and then I didn't want to give my name, so I, gave, I said, uh, thank you uh, and uh, thank you in advance. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you and looking forward to seeing Michael again. Yours, Brendan McCulloch. Who <laughs> Brendan McCulloch was... Uh, a weenie, a weenie little guy who talked like this. And uh, he started comedy about the same time as I did in 2012. Uh, he used to go to the 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 Melbourne, uh, the Comics Lounge uh, open mic and, and the workshop. And he used to do comedy there and he fucking sucked. He was garbage. And he never really uh, got into any serious level of being a comedian. And I'm, I'm pretty sure... At this point, he's either living with a carer 
Or, or uh, one of his parents has killed him for the insurance money. That's who I put. <laughs> That's who I put um, trying to book Michael Workman. I really, really hope... I used my throwaway email address and I really cannot fucking wait to get a reply. What I think is going to happen is I'm not going to get a reply for months until like maybe a week or two before when I said the show would be and I'll get a reply going, oh, actually, we're really sorry. Michael Workman's currently unavailable, but uh, we've got a few similar acts that we'd be uh, willing to uh, to let you um, let you use for your event if you'd like to contact him. Yeah, I really want that to happen. Uh, I would check. Um, oh, let, let me try. Hold up. I want to check just on my laptop. Let me check my email and see if he's fucking replied. Mail. Because it's on my third email account. If anyone wants to email me at that, lorpers at gmail.com. Is this going to be quick enough? Oh my god, Gmail, you're loading so fucking slow. God damn it, my internet's fucking bad. Shitting cunt on a stick. Fuck. No, no. Don't do that. Come on. Just go. This will be so funny. If they've emailed back, this will be the fucking perfect end to what has honestly been a very chaotic podcast, but I feel like it's been a lot of fun. Come on, you fucking dirty little cunt. Loading again. Is this unsettling anyone? <laughs> Me yelling at my laptop. Cassie Workman. What? Cassie Workman on Dogs, dogs and Cats. October. Oh my god. Oh my god! Oh, they did. They have. Oh, damn it! Fuck! <laughs> Hi, Brendan. Thanks so much for your inquiry. Michael has actually transitioned and is now known as Cassie Workman. She is still a prolific performer, but perhaps slightly different content to what you would have seen. He's a rec here's a recent clip of her on Tonightly. Please let me know if you would like to proceed with booking Cassie, and I'll send through a quote. I'm also more than happy to send through a couple of other options for you within your budget range. Look forward to hearing from you. Best, Rebecca Chandler. Oh. Oh my God. Is Carl Chandler married? Holy fuck. Carl Chandler is a booker in Melbourne. Is that Carl Chandler? Does Carl Chandler have a comedy website also uh, slide aside there's no way that my computer can't hear me talking right now because I typed in Kyle Chandler into Google and the first thing that came up was wife fucking oh this is going on too long and I don't know how to find this information out I, but fuck. Anyway, look, I'm gonna... It's called Left of... Centertainment. LOC.com.au I'm gonna send back a, a trolling message to this. I wanna try and uh, find out exactly what's happened. But this person seems perfectly normal and reasonable in the way that they've approach telling me that Cassie Workman is, is Cassie Workman and not known as Michael Workman anymore. 
And that's disappointing because I was hoping to talk to a crazy person. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> Sorry the end of this has been a bit muddled. But I'll fucking I'll let you know how this turns out because I'm going to send something back. Um, this has been Aiden Taco Jones sitting under a tree. Have a good week, man. Peace. <laughs>